0: There was dinosaurs everywhere. <laughs>
1: uh, I was working at a gas station. There was this girl who started taking me to church. And they started talking about God and Jesus. And uh, I had, back in grade 8, 9 science, been deeply influenced by a teacher who had convinced me there was no God uh, that we were living in an evolutionary environment, pure and simple. Um, and I st- had embraced that kind of approach to life. You know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow, well, we die. And so it was fitting that in grade 12, uh, my last semester, grade 12, going to Spectrum, I was the first graduating class of Spectrum H- High School, uh, I'm sitting looking at the periodic table of elements, thinking, boy, this looks like somebody with with brilliance and meticulation put this together, and it became harder to believe that this just evolved, but rather there was a God who created it. The next Sunday at church, who I'd been going with this girl that I was really interested in, and... Um, I responded to the call of Jesus on my life, and all I can say is in that moment, I felt the freedom of forgiveness, the freedom from shame, I felt like I was brand new. I was a new creation. And I felt this freedom that all of a sudden my life had gone from being restricted and narrow to expansive. Freedom. It is what Jesus wants for all of us, freedom. He calls us to freedom. You know, the dictionary definition of freedom is this, Period simple. Freedom is understood as either having the ability to act or change without constraint or to possess the power and resources to fulfill one's purposes. Freedom. We use it a lot in our society. Pastor Sean used it, Freedom 55. Uh, there was a period of time that there was people were talking about, well, I'm really hoping for Freedom 75. <laughs> uh, there's Freedom Mobile, uh, Charter of Rights and Freedoms. We talk about freedom of information. We use freedom a lot. Jesus used it too. In John chapter 8, 31 and 32, he says this, to the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So he starts off with holding to his teaching. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He says, so if you you listen to what I have to say to you, that will lead you to truth and that truth will liberate you truth. Well, I was thinking about this whole thing uh, around money. We've been talking about it. I I thought Pastor Sean has done an excellent job at at, uh, really helping us understand Jehovah Jireh, a God who provides, a generous, generous God. But in our society, there's things that constrain us. 58% feel like their finances control their lives. Doesn't sound quite like freedom. You see, no one can serve two masters, says Jesus, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. And there's a reason why he said that, because time immemorial, the gathering of goods has been something that has distracted and attracted us. We live in this world. We're meant not to be of it. And the Scripture says the love of money is the basis of all kinds of evil. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, the Apostle Paul says this, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. In other words, not to make... That the source of your understanding of your value. I'm better than everybody else because I have. Not to be arrogant. Or put their hope in wealth. Believe it's your salvation. If I just had some more money, then. If I could get more of this, then. It, it, it's, it's our salvation. We're looking to it to solve our problems. Not to put our hope in it. Which is so uncertain. But to put your hope in God, who is not uncertain, but certain, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. It's not just about the accumulation, there's a purpose for what we have these things. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the age to come so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. There was a 2022 financial stress index. And it said this, 38% of Canadians say money is their biggest concern. Two out of five Canadians report feeling less hopeful about their financial future now Than a year ago. One in three say financial stress is leading to anxiety, depression, and mental health issues. That does not sound like freedom. Now, as you'll notice, my hair is a different color than it was when I was younger. You might not have known me when I was younger, but I, I, well, I had hair. So you see, the, you know, you see things in a longer view. There, you have more experiences. There's things that the Lord's taught you along the way that helped you put in your life. So there's things that uh, you know, looking, I would say, back, you kind of look at differently, and you want to. So, I mean, I, I, I've been through six recessions <laughs> that I that that when I since I was an adult, at least six, depending on how you count them. So, so I'm a survivor. <laughs> when I first went to pastor uh, years ago, I was a pastor up in a, a northern community called Terrace. I arrived there out of graduate school. Uh, they had just finished a building, and they had to uh, pave the parking lot. So they had done that. They had borrowed from the bank, and the bank had given them a special rate at nineteen and a quarter percent. <laughs> Because the going rate was uh, just over 20%. When I bought my first house, the going rate uh, f- for uh, a mortgage was 12 and three quarter percent when I bought my first house. <laughs> my second place, when I moved from up north, when I finished uh, pastoring there and I moved down because uh, I was taking a position with our organization, the Pentecostal Assemblies. Um, and knew that the Lord had led us. We bought this house, and um, and and they were they were they were going to give us a really hot deal at eight and three quarter percent. <laughs> we thought, man, this is great, <laughs> so good. Uh, this last place that when we moved here, uh, they were given money away at five and a quarter percent. We could hardly believe our fortune. Perspective. All I'm saying is, it's so uncertain. It's all over the place. It will be as long as we are in this world. But Jesus is, is constant. The present reality uh, in our world, and it's an issue for freedom, is, is, you know, the credit card debt, the average Canadian has $2,447 of debt on their credit card each month. Their non-mortgage debt. So mortgage is a whole other issue, but the non-mortgage debt is about $21,128 in 2022. It's an issue of freedom. So I want to talk a bit today about freedom, and there's two parts to it in my view. One of them is There's three things that we want freedom from. If we're going to experience all of the purposes of God, because we are called to be doing more than just existing in this life. We're called to do good. We're called to be generous. There's all sorts of things of God's call on our life and to live fully and have life at its fullness. It's Jesus' call and gift to all of us. He pursues that in our life. But in order to do that, we're, there's there's a reality that we live in, and we need we need to f- think about what is it that holds us from all of that. And there's a couple of things I want to talk about: freedom from some things, but there's also freedom to some things, freedom to do certain things. Because if you can't master this, it will hold you here. And if uh, and, and if you just get that mastered, it's not the end. This is a calling. You know, there's only three reasons we change. <laughs> one, I can't stand what I'm doing. So anything's better than this. <laughs> I'm open to all sorts of options. Uh, the second one is, I've seen the future. I've seen the possibilities, and I want that. The third is God. God. There's only three reasons. Else we'll just do what we've always done and get what we've always got. <laughs> so the first freedom from, I want to talk about it, is freedom from the tyranny of right now. <laughs> I want this right now. Years ago, there was a, uh, a Harvard uh, study that was done with children, and it's been rep- uh, repeated numbers of times, but it was called the marshmallow um, uh, study. And what it did was, uh, it, it, it took these children and they put a, they said, You can have this marshmallow, uh, but if you wait we 'll give you two marshmallows. It was called It was about delayed gratification, uh, and what they found is there was a certain group of kids that found ways not to look at the marshmallow, and they got there too. but there were some as soon as a person left the room, they grabbed that thing and they shoved it in. <laughs> What was fascinating about it is is they followed these kids because the Harvard psychologist that was doing it, it was a bunch of friends of his kids, and his kids were in this study. They followed him for years, and then they did some longitudinal studies and found out what was the benefit of these people who learned something about delayed gratification, not right now. Uh, they had a higher level of earning. They had a f- higher level of physical, emotional, etc., well-being. It seemed to be one of the key indicators of whether they would be successful in life. Let me suggest to you that in the Christian life, one of the key indicators of success in it is, is something called delayed gratification. Yeah. The, the willingness to not go for everything right now. But everything in our life at this point is designed to try to get you to buy right now. (laughs) I mean, you think about it. You go into a store. You just want to pick up milk. But you got to go to the very back corner to get it. Why is that? (laughs) They want you to see everything on the way there because they need you to buy, (laughs) right now. Doesn't matter if you need it, but it is on sale. (laughs) How is it that we can go to Costco for one or two things and four to $500 later, there was so many good deals. Everybody needs a two pound can of tuna. Or well, my wife, uh, we, 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 we discovered Panko uh, stuff. Got it, and there was some at Costco. But it was a lifetime supply. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's all designed that way. It's all designed to, to, for the right now. And, and society facilitates it for you. I mean, we, we can get a credit card or multiple credit cards so that you can buy right now, and you don't even have to have any money. Although it will cost you in the long term. Delayed gratification. These things can either be our master or our slaves. So it matters. All sorts of things to facilitate it. Credit cards, loans, impulse buying, is all part of this right now. Yet the, One of the things that Jesus is working on you, if you know him, right now in your life, is to bring out the fruit of the Spirit, as found in Galatians chapter 5, 22. And it talks about how the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. But these things, if you'll notice in there, there's something called patience, which is waiting. <laughs> Self-disciplined. Self-control, that's about being able to stop yourself from the natural impulses that lead you in directions that are not helpful. He's working on this in your life. He's trying to give you freedom from the tyranny of right now. You need this right now. And this idea of delayed gratifications, there's a lot of things that we do now that that give us freedom in the future. I mean, I mean, simple things, some things like saving, learning to put side money, uh, preparing. Like I'm I'm re- I'm retired, <laughs> which means I only work one week a month, and you no, know, <laughs> it's a freedom of your own business. But um, so you have to prepare for the future, not not because we don't trust God for the future, but because He gives us wisdom to plan for it and delay having certain things right now so that there might be things later, that we would have the freedom to do things. He's Tyranny of the right now, freedom from that. 45% of individuals have felt overwhelmed by debt. It is not freedom. The second freedom that helps us if we can master freedom from is the latest and the greatest. The latest and the greatest. The marketing and algorithms that are now available on social media sites, etc, are designed to create an expectation and they fulfill it. If you had this, then you will be complete. If you have this, then you will be. And it creates an expectation and it's usually attached somehow to identity. What I mean by that is, if you have this, then you're really a successful person. If you have this, then really you must be important, the latest and greatest. You know, old versions work often similar to new versions, (laughs) only they're faster and they cost more than newer ones. (laughs) Everyone. All of it is designed to make us unhappy with our life, so that they can satisfy it and again, I, we live in this world I, i'm not i don 't it 's just the nature of it. they need you to buy, and we all participate in it. How we participate in it means we either use our money as a resource from God or as a way somehow that is our salvation or makes us uh, makes us important or gives us a sense of well-being, it replaces God. That's what it means to have one as a master as opposed to the other. A couple of years ago, um, uh, De Beers, has anybody heard of De Beers? They're the largest diamond company in the world. If you have a diamond ring, probably De Beers was involved. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, the they were... The, you know, wedding rings, engagement wings, all that kind of stuff. They they supplied them all. Um, and and then they started doing things like, uh, you know, they wanted to increase their sales. So, uh, you know, you want to say it with love. So, you, you know, you give it on special anniversaries and stuff. Because they want to sell more diamonds. That's what they do. They sell diamonds. To you. <laughs> then what they discovered was where diamonds used to be uh, a, a lady's best friend... Uh, there was more and more women over 30, where they used to always be pretty much married or in some sort of relationship, uh, were were single, either by life circumstance or by choice. They weren't getting on their left hand a ring for sentimental or sacred purposes. Marriage. So they created a a ring for your right hand (laughs) that you would wear, and it became... Uh, marketed it as a sign of your independence, of your affluence, of your greatness, of your uh, ability to function in the world in a way independent of everybody, so that they could sell more rings, which is what they do. We're not going to begrudge them that, but how they did it was to create a dissatisfaction and a way to make yourself feel important. freedom from The Apostle Paul wrote this in Philippians 4:11 and 12. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, there's times where it's been a little skinny. I know what it is to have plenty, there's times when there has been some abundance. I've learned the secret of being content in every and any circumstance, whether well-fed or a bit hungry, whether living in plenty or living with a little less, I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. His identity and security were in Christ, and He knew that no matter what He faced, the Master whom He served would take care of Him that wasn't just for the Apostle Paul, that's for you and me, that He will help us in every in every and any circumstances. And so, when we are secure in Christ, we start to ask deeper questions about the things that try to attract us, that try to pull us towards them. Why do I want this? <laughs> Can I afford this? Do I need this? Do I need this right now? Are there other options? It it allows us when we are content, rather than trying to feel fulfilled, feel valuable, when you are settled being valued in Christ, it allows us to look at things differently and not feel like we need the latest and greatest to be a whole person. For Jesus has made me whole. So those are a couple of things. There's probably lots more, but those are a couple of things that just quickly freedom from because they anchor us and they control us until we master some of those things so that we can move forward. But it does give us the freedom when we those things start to be unleashed from controlling us by some of the things we talked about. Freedom to live diligently wise and relaxed. 77% of Americans report feeling anxious about their financial situation. We make terrible decisions when we're anxious. 52% have difficulty controlling their financial worries. 58% said their finances control their lives, as we mentioned. What's interesting to me is on the stock market, there is a, an index called the VIC, which is the volatility index. And what they call it is the fear index. <laughs> well, basically, there's a, an indicator in the market how fearful are people. Because people, when they're fearful, Make poor financial decisions, and when you're buying and selling stocks, you want to make, you know, what's the index saying? Is are people really fearful? Are they trying to get rid of stuff? You know, what's going on? Because most of the stock market is an emotional market, not necessarily a rational one. Back in nineteen or 2020, um, I had just been over in Thailand with a group from our church. We were building a kitchen. We uh, had a missions team. There was two of us that went, uh, two groups that went. And uh, we put a kitchen in, and I did some other stuff with the, the group Imagine Thailand, who are doing a fabulous job uh, there. And uh, we, in the last days that we were there, we were just, sh- we were just north of Phuket uh, in Thailand. Uh, Phuket is a major tourist spot. There's planes that fly directly from Wuhan, You might have heard of Wuhan. (laughs) If you haven't, I want to know what cave you've been living in. (laughs) But they were flying about 10,000 a week, so there was a a few talks and rumblings, and there's some thoughts going on to this fleeting thing that was starting to happen. So we headed back home. Our plane got canceled because there there was not a lot of people flying out of Thailand to go to Hong Kong, where we were going. So we had to go on another plane. Got to Hong Kong, the plane was packed because there was a lot of people flying back to Canada because apparently there was something going on that they had to come home. <laughs> uh, we got home, and the, but it wasn't really a big deal. There was not, nothing much going on. Everybody was saying not to worry. And... Um, uh, I was listening to a podcast my daughter does called um, uh, "Further Up and Further In." Her and a friend, and they were talking about a theme for the year. And I thought, "Oh, that's an interesting thought." I haven't really have not had a theme for a year, and this is kind of time of transition for me a bit. I'm thinking about you know what the retirement might look like, and um, I started praying. And the Lord said, "Your theme for the year is relax." Which was good. I mean, you have to understand, my, my world was a very uh, intense world. I traveled a lot. I would, was doing preparation for things. And, um, uh, you know, so it was kind of high energy off, high energy off. So, you know, relax, decrease in intensity, intenseness. Yeah, I got that. Not to be anxious. A decrease in anxiety is the idea of relax. And, and so uh, a couple weeks after this, the whole world shut down. Uh, it ended up that over 60% of the income of my normal income disappeared in, in uh, a very short period. Flights that I had booked uh, were now canceled, but they weren't going to give me the money back and the people that I would go to work with that would pay for things. Well, they weren't paying it because I hadn't come. And all that would ring in my mind was, just Relax. Now it took me back to a previous time in 2011, when we had moved over here. I had a I had a business coaching and consulting. I work with groups, executive teams, leadership teams. There's just a variety of things that, it, that I would do, uh, and I would I would um, uh, I had a lot of stuff in Vancouver where we lived. You know, just kind of day stuff that people made available because you were close. I moved over here. And we were quite busy, and then all of a sudden, it just kind of wound down, just like it, for some reason, stopped. And, and uh, you know, a couple of months of that, I didn't didn't think too much of it, and then I said, finally I was starting to say, well, Lord, did we make a mistake? We, uh, you know, kind of started to get into, like, uh, uh, you know, what's going on here, you know, that kind of approach, you know what I'm talking about. And I remember the Lord speaking so crispy and so clearly, that kind of jumped me forward to 2020, but it was this, he said, well, have you missed a payment yet? Well no. I haven't, I haven't missed a payment. Have you missed a meal? Well no. Well get back to me when you have. <laughs> <laughs> now you know we all have unique ways that the Lord relates to us that that, that mean something to us as individuals. For me that was kind of like, okay, I got that. And so all I could think of all of this time in 2020 was have you missed a meal? No. Have you missed a payment? No. Good. Because, you see, life circumstances, in this world, we're going to have trouble, but our hearts are not meant to be troubled. We make bad decisions when we're troubled. Jesus' desire for all of us is for us to live in His peace, because His peace He's giving to us, it's our birthright. And anything beyond that means that we're embracing something that is causing anxiety, which was never His intention. And so, He wants us to live diligently wise, one of the the famous, my favorite verses cuz i think it's really helpful is found in hebrews 5:12 to 13 and it says this anyone who lives on milk so he's talking about uh, people that hadn't grown in christ that's what he was talking about anyone who lives on milk being an infant so he compares you know you're living on milk just the basic things you're not can't go into anything deep you're still being an infant is not equated with the teaching about righteousness how to live rightly So we're just we're just trying to get you started, and there's some basic teachings. That's what we the milk. But then you go beyond that. There's more, and 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 it's about right living. But he said solid food, and that's what he's saying. This is about solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil by by repetition and habit they've developed things in their life that they do naturally which were done initially uh, with a great deal of effort but godly habits produce freedom as we practice certain things in our life and no more is no more prevalent A place to do that is with our money, developing habits, wise habits, diligent in them. Don't be anxious, Scripture says, about, about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which passes and transcends all kind of understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. If you lack wisdom, it says, you should ask God, who gives generously to all who without finding fault, and it will be given to you. God wants to help us live diligently wise life and be relaxed as we do it. True. That's, good. That's what He calls us to. That's why over the years, you know, we talk about budgets, that they're deliberate things. You know, years ago, uh, again, back in, uh, when I was going to college and I was newly married, so you know how long ago that was. Um, we came to February, the, about six months after we were married, and our car insurance came, there were some life insurance came due, our rent came due, and all of it came due in one month. And it was about $100 more than our total intake. And we hadn't bought any food yet. <laughs> and I remember us, and we fortunately had saved some stuff because I'd worked in the summer and all that kind of stuff. So it was like, well, we don't want to go through this again. And so we, we said, Lord, what do we do to kind of prepare for this? So we, after that, we just kind of as a, I, I, we believe an insight from the Lord, we just put, we, we listed out all of our annual expenses. Anything that we did once a year, we just listed them all out and then we divided that by 12, added a little bit, and put that into account every month. It was diligent. We were diligently wise, and it saved us from the anxiety of that month. Now, to begin with, you know, you had to be a little, you know, it was a little hard to do it. Now we do it without thinking. Things are done automatically in our accounts. You learn to do things, and they become habitual, and because they are habitual, they help you. There's all sorts of things like that, that when we are when we're thoughtful, diligently, wise, and relaxed, we look at things differently. And, it's, and, and Jesus wants to help us with those things. He also wants to give us freedom to live consistently generous lives. John Ortberg uh, wrote this about a, a, a biblical concept called tithing. Tithing was never intended as a way to pay our debt to God. It has always been a training exercise to cultivate a generous and God-centered heart. Tithing is our uh, to our possessions what Sabbath is to our time. Concrete guideline that points to, uh, uh, itself to a truth that every moment, every inch, every scrap of our lives comes from the hand of God and will be returned to Him. And we are managers of whatever He has given us and he asks of us certain things. Tithing is kind of a, you know, we, it's, it, it's, tithing is t- like 10%. That's kind of what it, the, the idea of it is. Let me give you a quick history, quick biblical history. Abraham was the first one. So it wasn't, it was before the law. Abraham, the father of faith, uh, gave one-tenth of, of all the possessions after he had a victory, he gave them to Melchizedek, the priest. In Genesis 28, 20 to 22, uh, Jacob said, you know, if you give me victory, Lord, I will give you a tithe, a 10% of all of, that I win. In the Old Testament uh, uh, law, so it was the time when Israel became a nation, there was rules that were put in place that they would function as, as a nation under God. And there was rules that were put in place. So one of them was that the, for the support of the priests and the and and the and the Levites. So the religious uh, services in the in the in the tabernacle to begin with, and eventually uh, in the temple. And and so there was 10% were given for that. And then and then they would have another 10% was given for a sacred celebration. It was kind of for like a, a a country party. <laughs> So that was twenty percent, and then and then so that's two tens, and then once every three years they took a collection of ten percent to support the poor, the orphans, the widows. So the average Israeli uh, gave twenty three percent, as part of their spiritual resources. Um, we're not suggesting that, although. I don't think I would like to be able to do that because I think it helps us. By the end of the Old Testament time, book of Malachi, God is having a very terse conversation with His people uh, because they, they had abandoned the practice and brought, uh, they brought, rather than their best animals, they bought the ones they couldn't sell on the market. Well, may as well give them to the priests. <laughs> and so, this is how God speaks to them. And Malachi uh, verse this is six to twelve. But in verse seven, he says this: "The I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed." So he says, "It's it's only because I'm consistent that things haven't happened." He said, "Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees. You just keep wandering away." and have not kept them, so return to me. So th- that's where we start. We always start with, you got to start with, return to me. Make sure your relationship with God is right. I will return to you. And then he says to them, you have to start to honor me in, in your life. It's not just this nebulous spiritual concept. It's a practical concept. With Would you mere mortals rob God? And you, yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? in your tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you were robbing me. So God took it personally. He said, that's mine. You should have given it to me. He said, now, in verse 9, be faithful. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So he's saying, you know, look after. Look after my house. Then he says this. Now test me in this, he says. Just, if you want to experiment with something, experiment with this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. That there's a principle here of sowing and reaping. Something, somehow there's a, a divine mechanism that opens up when, when, when you uh, make your financial resources available to God. And he says, see if I'll not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much of a blessing that you will not have room enough to store it. So he says, I'm in the business of abundance of generosity. And he said, if you want to experience it, here's a way. And then he says, and it's not just that, you know, you give 10, you get this, you know, it's not, it's not like an ATM machine. But he says, I will prevent pests from destroying your crops. There's things that I will do to, that will make sure that there's preservation. And the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's, it's ripe. In other words, there's ways that I have of doing things that make sure that you're better off when you do this. In the New Testament, Jesus just put it this way. Uh, when, uh, because oftentimes people will say, well, I don't know about this it New Testament. Well, Jesus said this. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices. So right down to the last little bit. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law justice and mercy and faithfulness and he's saying you know i want all of your knife your life not you can't just placate me by giving me a little bit of mint i want justice and mercy i want all of your life live fully for me he says you should have practiced the latter justice and mercy and faithfulness without neglecting the former so it's not one or the other it's both and now we talk about tithes and offerings. Offerings in the Old Testament were special provisions where you could, when when God had done something, or uh, you just wanted to worship, or you'd done something wrong and you wanted to, uh, you know, kind of come back to the Lord. Uh, if there was thanksgiving in your heart because it had been extraordinary, you could. There was ways of going beyond. And, and, and being more generous just because you felt like, well, God's been generous and, and my life has been good. And, you know, like, there's ways of being thankful. We, and we have offerings. So we, do, we do one-time things. You think about it. We, we do stuff for missions. We do stuff for projects or camps or ministries. These are ways that we can express the generosity of God through our lives. Now, Paul put it simply, each of you should give what you've decided in your own heart to give. In other words, this is a very personal spiritual experience. I'm suggesting that if you want freedom, learning to be consistently generous, not emotionally generous. Learn it as a practice of life rather than an in-the-moment impulse. <laughs> and it's saying, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver a joyous giver someone who is so excited to be able to do this and God is able God is able to bless you abundantly it keeps coming back to that that he is able he is the one that there's our provision he is our jehovah jireh we are stewards so that in all things this is his desire for you So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So he's saying it's his desire that you would have the resources. Sometimes because you've learned, uh, you know, the not now, I don't need the latest and greatest, but, but I have opportunity to expand the kingdom of God, to to be a blessing to this person, to to be helpful in this situation. I, because this is what God has called me to. Well, simple strategy. You know, I I recognize we're all at different stages. Some of us are kind of just trying to figure this out. (laughs) How do we get freedom from Others of us are a little ways down the line. Some of us are down here where we're, okay, so how do we, you know, it just seems like we got got some stuff. What do we do with it now? Uh, So, uh, number one, ask. This is the ABCs. Ask. Ask God for wisdom. Just ask Him. I have found over the years, it's surprising to me the things that God wants me to be involved in. Things that I would never have thought about. Just how prompted But also, there's times when I really did not know what to do. Ask. He wants to give you wisdom. He loves to give you wisdom. He wants you to wisely function in this world. He is our our help, and He is our provider. And He is glorified by freely giving to you. Second, begin with small steps. There was probably something in what I talked about that kind of really twigged with you, and and the only way to move from A to B is to take steps. Any steps in the right direction is the steps towards freedom. Any steps, and and you might say, well, I've, you know, you don't know my circumstance. No, I don't, I don't, and but God does, and. Any steps in the right direction, starting to steward your money, make it a servant to your godly priority, starting to budget, maybe save a little for some things, you know, have a grocery list so, you know, everything on the shelf doesn't look good at five (laughs) o'clock. You know, sometimes for people, you know, just getting rid of credit cards, anything that expands your freedom and relaxes the tyranny of money is a step in the right direction. So any steps in that direction is great. So begin with something. And finally, the C is consistently honor God. I can't say it enough that when you honor God with your resources on a consistent basis, we talk about the tithe, but in any beginning in that area, it starts to put you in a place where where God is able to pour back into you. Because that's what he keeps saying. You sow, you'll reap. Now, does it look the same for all of us? No. Is it immediate? Not necessarily. Is it always, you know, oh, look at that. There's more money in the account. No, it, it, it's in a variety of different ways. But if you, as you start to honor God with your finance, because it says, you are now master. You are now master. Not the money, but you. And when you, master, when you honor God with your money, He is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things... At all times, having all you need, you'll abound in every good work. Let's stand together. Just for a moment, pretend you have a personal altar. You're meeting with Jesus right in this moment. And in this moment, what does He prompting of you. Maybe it's as simple as, you know, you've never asked me to be Lord. I offer you freedom of sin, I offer you freedom from guilt and from shame. I want to be your Savior. And that's a starting point. It puts us into that place where the full provision of Jesus working in our life is available to us by coming to that place. Maybe that's you. And if that's you this morning, then and you want Jesus to be master of your life, you want to raise your hand and just say, hey, that's that's me. I'd like you to pray for me specifically that I wouldn't let Jesus be master of my life because I, I really haven't let him do that. And he wants to give me freedom. If that's you, if you just raise your hand so that I can see it, and know, thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Let me pray for you first, and then I want to pray for others. Father, these people have offered themselves to you and I know Lord that whenever we respond to you you come and bring freedom, freedom from shame, freedom from guilt you give us a new beginning a fresh start come, make that real to each of these people as they start a new journey with you now for the others you want freedom in your finances and in your heart, there's something that the Lord has really twigged, that, that that kind of really felt prompted, and you need to start something. I want to pray for you that the Lord would start to give you freedom. For some, you'll need a miracle. For others, you need some discipline. For others, you'll need some. Uh, you'll be awakened to some new possibilities of how you can offer resources in ways that you had not thought of. Father, we come to you knowing that you lead us individually, that your spirit is here, that you want us to walk in freedom. Freedom from and freedom to. Help us, Lord, in this moment to cement before you the commitment of our heart, knowing, Lord, that you will help us as we leave this place to put it into practice. Any steps in the right direction, beginning of a freedom journey. So, Father, help us. Help each person individually as only your spirit can in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Amen. Colwood Church, can we say thank you to John today for presenting? There's some stuff there to chew on today, is there not? And uh, what I'm going to do with that is, John is going to stick around. Maybe you've got some thoughts and maybe questions that you'd like to ask. By all means, do that. Next Sunday, we are going to conclude the Money Matters series by having a panel on this stage and this whole entire month we have been inviting you to text your questions and perhaps over these last several weeks you've got questions about finances that you want addressed and so I'm going to invite you to text the word money to the number that you see on the screens it's an opportunity for you to be engaged in that conversation next Sunday so it will be really good as we conclude that together If you did, raise your hand today and make that decision of Jesus as master in your life. I'm so proud of you because we heard hands that were there. Praise God that you have said yes to him that way. We're asking you today to text the word life to that same number, 2504787113. One of our pastors will be there to chat with you and encourage you. What does that look like to have Jesus as the master? of your life. If you are brand new here today in the church, welcome to Call with Church. We're so glad that you are here, and I'm going to invite you right now as well to head to the back corner of our room where Pastor James is back there right now waiting to say hello to you, and so make sure that you take advantage of that. Church, I hope that you will walk into this week. You will go after the freedom that God has for you because He set it up for a purpose. We love you. We will see you next week as we conclude Money Matters. Have a great week, everybody.